Hello and welcome to the Hardy Report. My name's Edward Hardy and for today's interview I'm joined by David Mundell, the UK Secretary of State for Scotland and a member of Prime Minister Theresa May's Cabinet. David Mundell, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Edward. Brexit remains the hot topic for debate. You campaigned for Remain during the 2016 EU referendum and are now a supporter of Theresa May's deal. However, according to reports over the weekend and some of the members of the SNP mentioned this during Scottish questions earlier today, you threatened to resign from the cabinet alongside several of your colleagues over your division with Theresa May's approach to Brexit. Can you set the record straight? Did you threaten to resign from the cabinet? I've never threatened to resign from the cabinet. I have, over a period of time in relation to Brexit matters, set out my views uh, in relation to, firstly, what should be in the deal that we got. I was very uh, clear, for example, I wanted to see a deal that contained uh, the ability to leave the common fisheries uh, policy. That's an incredibly important issue uh, for uh, the fishing industry in Scotland and and, uh, the public in Scotland more widely. I've been very, very clear that I didn't want to see a no-deal Brexit that would be disproportionately uh, bad Uh, for Scotland. So I've not been uh, backward in coming forward in setting out my opinions, but you know, this isn't, this isn't a soap opera, it's not a psychodrama about people uh, resigning and uh, the next sort of uh, dramatic event. It's actually about getting outcomes. So I see it as my job, firstly, to respect the outcome of the referendum. I'm a Democrat. I don't see myself as a Remainer minister. I see myself as someone who respects the outcome of referendums. This was a UK-wide referendum, uh, which the outcome was to leave, but also you know, to ensure that I, I make sure that Scotland's interests are taken forward in the best possible uh, way. That is to ensure we leave with a deal, but a deal that encapsulates certain elements that are particularly important in Scotland and I gave the example of leaving common fisheries policy. Do you still have faith in Theresa May or do you now disagree with her approach to Brexit? I think nobody could suggest that uh, Theresa May hasn't given her all to trying to uh, secure our departure from the EU on an orderly basis with a deal. I think she sees it as her duty to deliver on the outcome uh, of the referendum. I think she is... Uh, driven to achieve uh, that outcome. She was never going to be able to please everyone. Brexit uh, is a very contentious issue. Even within those who support Brexit, there are different views of what Brexit actually uh, means. What she sought to do is to achieve a compromise. I think I thought the agreement was a good compromise. Clearly, it's a fact that it's been rejected twice by Parliament, but I hope that it can uh, come back when, when particularly those who support Brexit realise that if they don't take the opportunity of uh, supporting the agreement, the other options are, are, are much less favourable from their perspective and could even be that we don't leave the EU at all. You talked there about how you think it's a fair compromise, the Brexit deal. Why do you think so many members of Parliament, if it is a fair compromise, especially yourself as someone who was on the 
Remain side of the debate in 2016. Why do you think some of your colleagues who believe we should be in the EU refuse to accept this compromise deal? I think it. I, you know, I think it's disappointing that people don't accept the outcome of the referendum. I mean, I've always been very clear. For example, although I passionately opposed uh, independence in the 2014 Scottish referendum, if Scotland had voted for independence. I would have done everything I could to make it a success because I, I think that is that's the democratic thing uh, to do. I mean, obviously, people feel that perhaps um, you know that it wasn't an, an informed choice in the way that uh, they believe it it should have been, or, or that circumstances have moved uh, on. But I, I'm disappointed that there are colleagues who uh, want to revoke. Uh, Article 50, I think that is not in the spirit uh, of uh, having the the referendum. And I think it would actually, uh, along with having the so-called people's vote, repeating the referendum, you know, I I think either of those two courses of action would create create great discontent uh, right across the country. There are obviously members of Theresa May's own party who are still opposed to the Brexit deal that she's put forwards there are individuals who are completely opposed to the approach that she's taken through negotiations that was evident not just in reports that have surfaced of apparent discontent with members in the cabinet but it was very visible when Jacob Rees-Mogg led a group of MPs who attempted to have a vote of no confidence in Theresa May they failed to remove her from her position but they nevertheless attempted do you believe any of your colleagues are seeking to undermine the Prime Minister in order to progress their own careers or to push their own agendas? It's self-evident that there are some colleagues who disagree with the Prime Minister and I think even at the point that, which I hope to achieve where the deal is voted through by Parliament, you know, there will be Conservative MPs who will vote against. A number of them have made it clear that they would never in any circumstances um, support the deal. So that's self-evident. You know, passionate views about the EU, you know, have been part of the the, the, the Conservative Party for uh, 50 years or more in terms of the reality that there were people uh, with uh, differing views. I think, you know, David Cameron's approach in ho- holding the referendum was to accept that uh, this issue cut across party, not just the Conservative Party, but Labour Party. There are a significant number of Labour MPs who actually support leaving the um, e- leaving the EU. That the, the, the referendum would then determine the outcome. And unlike people, you know, who voted Remain, who who don't want uh, to leave, you know, I think people who uh, support Leave, you know, should again respect. The, the Prime Minister's uh, determination to get a deal and allow us to leave the EU and, and not take a purist or absolutist approach. I think for them, we're leaving, the, they've got the outcome they wanted. Five years ago, people would have probably uh, scoffed at the idea that we would be indeed leaving the EU. Uh, we could have been leaving the EU on the 29th uh, of March if they previously backed uh, the deal. Uh, and I would have thought that the pragmatic thing for them to do was to accept this deal and uh, to move forward 
uh, on a basis that you know subsequently they can shape the future relationship we might have uh, with the EU. On the, the the other part of your question, I mean, politics is inevitably full of people uh, with uh, ambitions, and in any scenario, people are there are always people who are uh, considering uh, their futures. As a member of Theresa May's cabinet, and having witnessed the discussions on Brexit, which have taken place around the cabinet table, can you give us your personal take on the way those discussions have been conducted? I'm a great believer in collective responsibility, so you know I'm not about briefing what's happened at the cabinet or uh, how you know, how the cabinet uh, interact. I, I think it's a good thing that there is lively uh, discussion. The Cabinet isn't bound to agree with, with each other. Uh, and in fact, that's part of, the, part of our role, is to have debate and discussion. We've had that. There have been areas of disagreement. It's then for the Prime Minister you know, to pull together what she thinks is the collective view, taking into account her own... Uh, position and I, I, you know, I think in that regard, uh, the cabinet has worked reasonably well. Obviously, at points, colleagues who have not agreed with the position and couldn't sustain a collective responsibility uh, in that regard uh, have left the cabinet, and that's uh, you know that that's what happens if you if you can't uh, accept the collective responsibility of of the decision uh, made. Um, but I, I, I found that Theresa May's approach as Prime Minister and Cabinet is to let everyone have their say, and I think that's a very uh, positive thing. Do you believe that, as some individuals have claimed, that due to the divisions that the Brexit issue has caused within the Conservative Party, that's been seen in Theresa May's inability to get her deal successfully through Parliament, that... As reports have claimed, she won't be able to see out this parliament as prime minister, or do you believe that she'll be able to maintain that post? Theresa May herself has said, uh, and at the time of the the vote in, in relation to confidence and leadership, that it wasn't her intention to lead the Conservative Party into the 2022 um, general election. So she's made it clear that at some point prior to 2022, she would be standing down uh, but you know, we are in the middle of this Brexit situation I'm sure she wants to see through leaving the EU I think she is committed uh, to that uh, process as I said earlier I think she sees it as her duty to deliver that uh, and uh, you know, I'm sure that that will drive her uh, sense of uh, of, of how she sees her um, future as Prime Minister. It's been reported that she might inform the Conservative Party, possibly this afternoon in the coming weeks, that she will step down after her Brexit deal has successfully passed through Parliament, something that you mentioned there she's previously expressed her desire to do. Would you be disappointed to see her resign at this stage of her Premiership or would you like to see her continue on? I'm certainly not calling for the Prime Minister either to make a statement about uh, her future or uh, to stand down. You know, we're in the middle of an important part 
uh, of this pro uh, of this process. Uh, I think nobody outside Parliament, no real people in the country uh, that I meet, would suggest otherwise than she is doing her absolutely best uh, to get this situation uh, resolved. But ultimately, in 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 any circumstance, she has to do what she thinks uh, is is right and. You know, I'll respect whatever decision she takes. Do you think Theresa May was courageous or naive to take on the role of Prime Minister at such a difficult time in British politics overseeing the Brexit negotiations? I certainly don't think that she was naive. I think she knew the difficulties. Um, this is the most complex negotiation that this country has been engaged in since the end of the Second World War. It's hugely uh, challenging issues, hugely differing views within uh, the Conservative Party, across Parliament, a minority government, uh, as she uh, then uh, took forward after the 2017 election. All the circumstances have been incredibly uh, difficult, but you know, I think she is the sort of individual who has shown the determination, perseverance uh, to get through, to cope uh, with those um, those those difficulties. But you know, I, I I can't believe that she had an expectation that throughout this process that she could please everyone. She couldn't. There are always going to be people who are unhappy. I mean, I'm disappointed that as many colleagues chose not to support the withdrawal agreement as, as ha and future declaration as have been the case so far, but I'm still hopeful that they can be brought round and actually people can look objectively at our deal and say actually it's a substantial achievement, it's probably the best deal we could have got in all the circumstances and ultimately feel able uh, to back it and back her. If she did step down, now in the future, after Brexit has been completed, who would you want to replace her? I'm not going to get uh, involved in that uh, discussion because, one, it's predicated on the Prime Minister uh, stepping down, and two, um, it, it's you know, ahead of uh, anyone coming formally forward uh, you know, with with a nomination, uh, so I'm not you know I'm not going to get involved uh, in leadership uh, speculation. You know, I support the prime minister as long as she wants to continue uh, in that uh, role. Um, if there is a leadership contest in due course, and I think obviously from what she said, inevitably there will be one at some point before 2020. Uh, to then you know need to look. Uh, at the contenders, what they have to say, uh, not just in relation to Brexit. For me, I mean, I will be looking for a future uh, uh, leader, Prime Minister, to demonstrate the same level of commitment that, the, that Theresa May has to the Union, maintaining and, uh, and uh, supporting uh, our United Kingdom. That's a hugely important issue to, for me, for example. But uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not uh, you know, speculating on who who might come forward or what I might consider uh, in in relation to their candidacy. Do you agree with the assessment by your fellow Conservative member of Parliament, Jacob Rees-Mogg, that because Theresa May will not deliver a No Deal Brexit, it's Theresa May's deal or no Brexit at all? I think that is a fair assessment. Parliament 
has made it very clear that it will not support a no-deal Brexit. Uh, and therefore, uh, you know, the outcome that Parliament might take forward uh, would say, could be a less, you know, l- less favourable to Mr. Rees Mogg and, and and those who are very strongly supportive of Brexit uh, than the current deal. Or indeed, you know, the longer we go on, the the chance might the chance, you know to revoke Article 50 by those people who want to do that or to uh, have some very prolonged process which ultimately leads to some change in in, uh, approach uh, is more likely. So, I mean, my message certainly to uh, those people who are passionate about delivering Brexit is actually this is your chance to do it. It's a guaranteed way to leave the EU in an orderly fashion. The alternative... Uh, is is potentially no Brexit. You've said that a no-deal Brexit could cause chaos and disruption in our economy. If a no-deal Brexit was the only option left on the table for leaving the EU, would you back remaining in the EU or would you support leaving without a deal? I think Parliament's made it very clear that it it, it wouldn't countenance leaving without a deal. And leaving without a deal is, in my um, responsibilities is disproportionately uh, difficult in Scotland. It because of, of geography being an end of supply chains, reliance on uh, fresh produce, and a whole a whole host of other um, reasons. So, uh, you know, I am very clear that leaving with no deal would be a bad thing for Scotland, and Parliament has uh, said that both in relation to Scotland and and the UK. Uh, but you know the 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 way in which uh, to to move forward is therefore with a deal, and Parliament is going to have indicative votes on a deal, uh, alternative to the Prime Minister. I hope, however, still that the Prime Minister's deal can be uh, c- c- can be brought uh, forward. I mean, I know deal will always uh, until we we get the the deal process. Uh, completely technically possible, but I don't now envisage circumstances in which uh, the UK uh, will uh, leave uh, the EU with a no deal. The leader of the House of Commons, Andrea Leadsom, has said that the government hopes to hold a third vote on Theresa May's Brexit deal. This is despite Speaker John Burko suggesting that he might not allow such a vote. But if Parliament rejects Theresa May's deal, again for a third time. What alternative approach would you like Parliament to vote for to avoid a no-deal Brexit, but to ensure that Brexit still happens? I think it's important, and this is one of the things that the indicative votes are about, uh, in theory, is to understand what sort of arrangement could command a majority in Parliament. What we've seen throughout this process is that Parliament has constantly told us what they don't like, what they don't want to do, uh, but never, but not really told us what they do want to do. I hope that when uh, we reflect on the indicative votes, we can see that there are a, there are options where Parliament might be able to deliver majority support for a particular outcome. But I would, my preference would remain the Prime Minister's 
uh, deal. But if that is uh, rejected uh, when it's voted again, uh, on again, then clearly we'll have to reflect on the outcome of this indicative uh, vote process to see what uh, option can, can command majority support. I'm, of course, very uh, reluctant to uh, very reluctant to uh, see a, a, a further vote um, because, as our experience in Scotland re reinforces as well, you know, we, we make a decision, a referendum, and respect that decision. That is the people's uh, vote, and I think having a second vote, uh, both in relation to independence and in relation to Brexit, you know, would not be. Uh, would not respect the initial referendum results and would not uh, be in any way uh, conducive to uh, the, the, the concept of bringing the country together. The leader of the Scottish National Party, Nicola Sturgeon, accused you of saving your job rather than, quote, rebelling properly against a no-deal Brexit by abstaining on a motion to rule out leaving the EU without a deal in all circumstances. This was point raised during Scottish questions where SNP MPs suggested that if you really wanted to stand against a no-deal Brexit you should have resigned. How do you respond to those accusations? Firstly, you know, I, I, I'm not interested in the whole psychodrama of people resigning. I'm interested in outcomes and I believe uh, that uh, you know, my efforts uh, are best uh, uh, focused as a member of the cabinet trying to ensure that the things that I want to achieve for Scotland are uh, delivered. So in relation to the no deal uh, abstention, I was very clear that I'd, I've been very clear throughout that I did not want a no deal Brexit. Parliament had voted and made clear it didn't want a no deal Brexit and I didn't feel that it was appropriate to uh, you know, vote against uh, what Parliament had uh, said, but I, at the same time, continued to support the Prime Minister's uh, approach to securing a deal and leaving in an orderly fashion. Contrary to what Nicola Sturgeon and her SNP MPs uh, say, I believe that their real objective is the most disorderly and chaotic Brexit that they can achieve. They want to see disruption, uh, they want to see uh, people uh, they want, people believe that their independence offering uh, would be better than that and therefore they, ha they have an incentive to uh, create chaos and disruption and I don't want to be any uh, part of that and to allow them to do that. So I think I am best able uh, to continue to do that as, as a member uh, of the cabinet and that's what I can intend to continue to do. You talked about the SNP's agenda there. If Brexit happens, there will have been a significant change in circumstances since Scotland voted to remain part of the UK in 2014. What do you say to those who believe that because of the change in circumstances, Scotland is now entitled to a new vote on their independence from the UK? I don't um, agree with that proposition. It was very clear at the time of the 2014 independence referendum, that there could be uh, an EU referendum. David Cameron had, had uh, raised that prospect uh, uh, well before uh, the Scottish independence uh, referendum. Uh, it's a complete myth to suggest 
that people were told that they had to vote to stay in the UK, to stay in the EU. The issue in, in the Scottish referendum is exactly as it is now uh, for the nationalists. How d would Scotland become a member of the EU if it was an independent nation? And they, you know, five years on, they still have no answer uh, to that question. There's no guaranteed uh, membership of the EU uh, for Scotland uh, for people who you know who who, who want to achieve uh, who who want to achieve that. It's very obvious what Mick Nicola Sturgeon's objectives are. Three hours after the result of the EU referendum was announced on the 24th of June 2016, she started talking about independence. She started saying that she was get, making preparations to get the legislation forward for an independence referendum. You know, Brexit is just, Brexit is just a front uh, for pursuing the independence uh, cause. Uh, and I think the people of Scotland uh, see through that in terms uh, of Nicola Sturgeon's uh, pronouncements uh, about Brexit. It, what she uh, really wants, whether or not there was Brexit at all, is another independence referendum. Isn't the reality that whether we leave or stay in the EU, many millions of people are going to feel that they're on the wrong side of the outcome and will be very unhappy indeed about that? That's certainly an issue you're going to notice with Scotland. A lot of them voted to remain in the EU. How can the country begin to reunite after Brexit? And do you think there's the possibility there's going to be civil unrest? Is there a way to come back together? I hope that we will be able to come back together once uh, we've left the EU. Hopefully you know, that's on the basis of the Prime Minister's deal and then we can get a new relationship agreed with the EU. But it is a challenge where you have uh, issues that are on which there are strongly held views put to a referendum and there are a large number of people on either side of the debate. We've seen that in Scotland. I signed up uh, to something called the Edinburgh Agreement, which was that the result would be respected whichever way it went. You know, Within minutes of the result, uh, people who had lost that referendum were looking to have another referendum and change the result. So it's very, very challenging where you have uh, large numbers of people on either side of a debate. and. and it's clear that a referendum in itself doesn't resolve their differences. Uh, what I think you have to do, you know, is appeal to people's wider democratic instincts. I think that generally has happened in relation to EU exit because most people that I encounter who voted Remain are prepared to accept the result and want to move uh, on. And I think if we can get the focus back onto the economy, onto jobs, onto the issues, the day-to-day -day issues that people... I encounter concerned with health, education, uh, transport, then I think that we can move on. But, you know, the, the, there will be a long tail uh, from uh, the EU referendum. Uh, you can't have an event of that nature without that happening. Beyond Brexit, there's been significant debate recently about sex and relationship education in schools. Many parents are very much opposed to the topic being discussed in schools. But at the same time, the UK is committed to promoting equality and understanding for all. What are your thoughts on this debate? Well, I've been uh, very uh, supportive of a campaign in Scotland called the Thai uh, campaign, which has been about 
you know, ensuring uh, that uh, relationship education, uh, LGBT uh, issues uh, were uh, uh, taught in, in schools and, uh, and that is now going to be uh, the case in Scotland, which I'm very um, positive about. Whilst you know, I respect the views um, of parents and I think it's very, very uh, important uh, that parents are uh, closely involved in uh, education on, on in the in on these issues. I think the other fact we have to face up to is you know homophobic attitudes and uh, bullying are still very prevalent in in schools, and we have to do something uh, about that. And so uh, you know I'm I, I'm supportive uh, of. The, the approach that has been taken uh, by the UK government here in England, but also very much welcoming of these new uh, initiatives uh, in in Scotland, and I, I hopefully, you know, I think when there's a bit more, you know, you know, sometimes these issues arise because there isn't an understanding of what's uh, going to be taught or how it's going to be dealt with in in the classroom. Uh, I, I hope that you know there can be a, a, a greater understanding of what that might involve and. Uh, hopefully uh, an acceptance of it. Do you think the opposition to education about LGBT issues in schools fuels or results in homophobia? I, I think it, it certainly, you know, I, I, th- I certainly think that you know, a lack of uh, ability to discuss and uh, discuss issues uh, to understand uh, the uh, individuals uh, circumstances and, and uh, relationships does you know does contribute to homophobia a lot of homophobia is based on a uh, based on ignorance uh, but uh, you know fueling it I, I think is a you know is, is a different concept I mean a lot of uh, you know a lot of people you know who are abusive or who are homophobic, you know, that are more widely abusive than just being uh, homophobic, for example. So, uh, but I, but I think the wider uh, education is 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 certainly the, uh, an important component of dealing with uh, homophobia. How do you accommodate the views of parents who don't want their children to be exposed to certain elements of? sex and relationships education possibly for religious reasons when looking at this issue well I, th- I think that you know there has to be dialogue and discussion you know with parents and I think it's, it's important you know to keep parents as on you know, as part of the process as as, as is possible I uh, you know I, I I'm you know very much of the view that we should be working with parents not you know not against uh, parents uh, clearly, there are uh, there can be religious sens- particular sensitivities, uh, and those have to be uh, worked with, not against. David Mundell, thank you for joining me. That was David Mundell, Secretary of State for Scotland and a member of Prime Minister Theresa May's cabinet. That's all for this week. What did you think about that interview? Let me know on Twitter at Edward T Hardy. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes and subscribe. Until next time, goodbye.